This is On The Tee Golf New Zealand Podcast, hosted by Tom Hyde and Brendan Telfer. Proudly presented by Podcasts New Zealand and Gorilla Voice Media. Hello again and welcome to On The Tee. I'm Brendan Telfer along with my co-host Tom Hyde. And we're here every fortnight, of course, to shine the spotlight on an interesting or intriguing aspect of the New Zealand golfing landscape. We come to you in association with our friends at JK's World of Golf out there at Nixon Road at Auckland International Airport with its huge shop and driving range open 24-7. Check them out at jksworldofgolf.co.nz. And also the Akarana Golf Club, just 10 minutes from the centre of Auckland. Check them out at akaranagolf.co.nz for some great online green green fee deals. Well, this week, our guest is leading women's professional coach, Kay Maxwell, who's been involved in the sport of golf for most of her life. First of all, as a very successful amateur player and over the last 20 years as a professional coach on her own golf course. Kay has this golfing academy in South Auckland, complete with her own nine-hole, or actually I think it might be a ten-hole course, and and uh, there's a reason why <laughs> why an extra hole had to be added to the uh, traditional nine holes, and I'm sure Kay will tell us about that uh, when we get to that issue. Kay herself enjoyed a very successful amateur career and turned pro at the end of her competitive days at the ripe old age of 40. Yes, unusual, isn't it, for a golfer, an amateur golfer, to turn pro at the age of 40. Although I seem to recall uh, the famous words of the actress who's parted us a few years ago, Elizabeth Taylor, that, hey, life begins at 40. Anyway, Kay, we're delighted that you could join us here on On The Tee and talk about your unusual golfing journey. Um, Let's start with the fact that you decided at the age of 40 to turn pro, which must have been uh, a huge step for you with a lot of risks. Why did you turn pro at the age of 40? Well, I... I knew I was at a turning point in my life. I I was married with two kiddies, but I really wanted to have a go at my life. I wanted to explore, you know, what, why, why sometimes I feel down, one sometimes I feel happy, and I was just really at a crossroads. We sadly had um, our second child had um, had uh, I had a fall before. Just before I was due, and so we lo- and we lost the baby in the accident, and I had a breakdown, and so I'd I'd carried on with life through it, and I actually had another baby, a little, thankfully another baby girl one year one week later, but I hadn't dealt with the issues, I'd carried on and I'd ended up, play- I played all my golf and I was great, I could be a different person on the golf course, but when I was home in my home life, I really struggled with uh, the sadness. And so I ended up um, leaving my husband, and um, we split up. But we we stayed we stayed good friends, and, and we're good mum and dad for the kids. And uh, so I had a go, and then I realised, gosh, I'm still really not that happy in that. And so then some friends of mine were doing some life coaching courses, and it was called Landmark Forum. And I said, I want to do that. That's exactly what I want to do. And so they all joined in for the December class, and the bloody thing was full. I couldn't get in, so I was so I went along to the January. Um, introduction and they said oh would you like the introduction I said no no I just want to sign up please I want to make sure I get in and so that was the beginning of my journey of learning about myself and 
all of these, all the ups and the downs and the strengths and weaknesses. And then the more I did the classes, and then I'd sign up for another session and another session with my friends and that. And in the end, you'd really got all the uglies out and you'd learnt how you got to be the way you are. And now what do you really, really want to do with your life? And they, so they made you create with no boundaries. And so in this little book, you just had to write. So you had to really plan outside the square, not thinking of money or anything. And um, mine was to head back to the countryside near where I was brought up and to have my own friendly little golf academy, which would be a mix of the old-fashioned Malmara Golf Club as I was brought up and our family farm, because it was very social, our family farm. A lot of the, it was always the gathering place for the locals to have a party or to, Mm -hmm. to meet up. So, and I really wanted to offer that to people, but be in the peacefulness of the countryside. So I was living in Parnell, but Parnell and me, we'd, I'm not a city girl. Mm. So that was the thing. So anyway, the but, more I did this. But yeah. it must have been a huge financial undertaking. I mean, it's all very well having a, a stretch of grass and a few paddocks, but converting it into a golf course, a nine-hole golf course, must have been a prohibitively expensive exercise. Yes, but I sort of did it bit by bit. And what happened when I – so with this with this course, I ended up going out to the countryside to look at land and just see how much – much does it cost? Can I afford to buy some land and with what if I sell the house in Parnell? And so, and I always didn't want to be in debt. So I want. So I, I sold for a million and I bought for seven hundred. So I thought, right, I'm okay. I've got three hundred <laughs> up my sleeve and a bit to do my little golf course. Yeah. And that's what happened. Just bit by bit, I um, started doing it. And so from that, I guess you then progressed to the idea of coaching uh, golfers. And I, I was already coaching when I was in the city. Oh, okay. Yeah, and um, it was funny because I was teaching at – the first one was at the golf course in Ellerslie. Yes. And then um, John Crossgreen and his team came and bought that driving – took over yes. the lease of that driving range. And I, in the meantime, I was also teaching at my home. I'd set my home up in Parnell with a, a net and a chipping area and a putting area and a granny flat full of yeah. stock yeah. at a little shop there. And anyway, the boys said that John Crossgreen them, they said, look, come and you can join in with us with what we're doing there, but you'll need to close down what you do at home. And I just thought I'd just come out of a marriage where I had, um, I don't want to say, my husband was a, a great man, but he was the leader. I had to follow. Yeah, yeah. And I just didn't want to be in that situation of you a man telling your, me what to do. Your, your own boss. Again, yeah, yeah, I wanted to have, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't join them and I carried on with what I was doing at home. Let and, me uh, ask you, Kay, about, yes. about the connection between building the golf course and becoming a professional. So you became a professional in order to teach yes. at the golf course. You didn't become a professional to join the LPGA no, or whatever then. Yeah. No. Through my amateur career, I'd played lots of the professional tournaments. And I did have a go when I was 22 at going to Aussie. And um, I, that was my goal to try and join the Australians. But I first wanted to test myself out to see if I would be good enough to, to play against them. But you need to have a lot of money behind you to have six sure. months, nine months off. Yeah. So I ended up working. Working and playing the odd tournaments and stuff. It didn't, and work, out. It didn't mm. really work out, no. Anyway, but it sounds to me that your love is, is coaching. So I was thinking yesterday um, about what we could talk about, and I was, want to ask you this question. Are you a golf coach or a life coach? <laughs> I'm, a bit of, I'm, I'm mostly a golf coach with the experiences that I put myself through as the life coach. 
So do you do you incorporate your skills as a life coach because you've been through a course and you uh, are and able I, to, I actually went and fully trained for a year yeah. as a life coach too. But, and so do you incorporate um, aspects of that philosophy yes. into teaching the golf swing? Yes. How, so do, they, how do they yeah, merge? Yeah, a little bit. Well, you know, the, the attitude on the golf course is big. Like when I take my nine-hole golf tour ladies away, I said there's two things when we go on tour and one is your attitude and one is keep and the other one is keep up. Yeah, so don't delete the practice swings. Come on, we've got we're nine hole golfers. You're pretty new to the game, and I I've got to keep a good name when I make the bookings with the with Folks. the courses. Yeah. Okay, so what, yeah. what, what, Brennan, I don't know what what does a life coach oh, do? Oh, it's become a fashionable kind of pursuit, hasn't it, over mm-hmm. the last ten or fifteen years? My yeah. hairdresser, I think, is a life coach. Well, I suppose um, it's. Uh, you acquire these skills to help people with their problems. It's a form of, I suppose, psychology, isn't it? Yeah, and it's just being a, a neutral place for them to be able to talk to. Yeah. Like I talk to a lot of young women, you know, that are, say maybe they've got um, young children now and they're struggling and things like that. And they might, they might not have been anything to do with golf, but somehow they've come into my line of life. And I, I just encourage them. And you know, with positive things and what what I what what I feel from my heart and soul, what I think would help. I don't mm. charge money or anything. I don't want to, I don't want money for it. I just would you uh, do you make a case of golf being a form of therapy? Oh, I, absolutely. Yeah, mm. like my my favorite clients are the ones that come along and they're so nervous to have even come for a lesson. And I said that's the hardest thing what you've done to walk in the door to actually book in and come. And I said now just relax and leave the rest to me. You want to play golf. This is what I do. Yeah, let's have mm. some fun and let me introduce you to people on the way and you'll meet some new golfing friends. Mm, very it's, good. it's a curious th- subject in itself, which we could delve into at length, I suppose. Um, the way women have been treated by the sport of golf, not just in New Zealand, but I guess worldwide. And I can remember years ago, <clears throat> many years ago, Tom, you might remember it as well, wearing your journalistic hat here, that there were women in New Zealand, members of golf clubs, who in the end, I think, went to court to f- get some equal treatment because they were barred from access to the tea on a Saturday morning by their own club. It was felt that, no, women got all week to play golf. Saturday morning, the blokes, they have the tea. They've been working mm. all week, they have the tea. To which the women said, well, what about the women who are working during the week? Why, <laughs> yeah. why don't they have access to No, no, the women can play on Saturday afternoon or Sunday afternoon or somewhere. And it became a bit of a cause celeb, you know, and golf clubs had to change their mentality. Uh, I don't think there was any conscious effort to want to discriminate against women, but that was, well, women golfers, but that was the effect of it. And I guess you've probably seen that, have you? I have. Mm. I, I have. I, I went for a year, I lived a year in Sydney when I tried to turn pro, and, that, and I'd also been kicked out of the New Zealand team, so <laughs> I had to leave New Zealand. Because <laughs> I, um, what had happened, I'd spoken up on behalf of the New Zealand team at a players meeting to see if we could be like the Australians and have an ex-international player be our captain when we go overseas. And it was at our players' meeting, which is our neutral meeting, but the ladies' golf union decided that they could sit in on that meeting. And as I walked out, the, the, one of the selectors said, you'll be sorry you ever said that. Mm. And that was the end of me. 
absolute yeah, well, the end. Another example of what I'm getting at. But, yeah. yeah. Um, and so and, I went so off. I can, I yeah. can understand why mm. women, uh, probably more so than men, still today feel nervous about uh, playing golf or starting to play golf at a golf club. I mean, I've gone through that with my wife, who's mm. uh, over sixty, and she's taken up golf, and she finds that even playing on public courses, she and her friends, who are also newcomers at golf, are uh, subjected to a lot of abuse from men. No kidding. Mm. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, and um, to the point, I won't mention the name of the. These are public golf courses in Auckland, but she won't go back to one of them um, because of the way that they're treated yeah. there. Wow. And um, it doesn't. I guess if you're a male and you're 60 and you're taking up the game of golf and you're struggling a bit and taking time to play around a nine-hole public course, that's okay. But somehow, um, no, it's not acceptable really, for women. Well, I'm, I'm surprised. Really I mean, Kay, how, how do you find it out? You oh, find well, it- that's why I started my nurturing club. So mine was to teach people to learn to play, make new friends, and come on, let me go with you on the course, not let me be the coach at the driving range and then you left. I went with them. So when I was in Parnell, I would have – Monday morning was our club day, and I would arrange for any – I had it all on a schedule for the ladies from Murawai right down to Pukekohe Golf Club. And so they would know where to meet me. We didn't do it in the school holidays because we all had kids. Yeah. And, but on Monday morning, off they go. They'd meet me at the Grange, and mm. I'd have all the higher things. If they didn't have clubs, I'd have them all in my boots and help them, and then off we'd go. And so I'd get them into their groups and send them off, come back, pay the green fee, hire a cart, and buzz around the ladies giving tips and making sure that they were having a nice experience. So if there was any a bit of a hiccup with some guys or something or other's happened or one lady's bossy to another, I was there to sort it out on the spot and so I did this for four years and when that's what was one of my things when I was doing this life coaching course I thought I just wish I had my own piece of land where I could teach these ladies to strike a ball off the grass And not be intimidated mm. And not be that. in the way. Yeah, no, have yeah. our own patch. Yeah. And a, and a yeah. piece of land becomes, what, a nine or ten hole golf yeah. course? Well, it was a nine hole, but tell us why you had to put a tenth hole in. Well, because New Zealand golf never adopted nine hole par threes. And so we started by taking one part, the second hole, we'd play the par three um, from another tee to make it long enough to be just long enough to be a par four. But then we started getting busy and there was a bottleneck and you couldn't do it. So I ended up buying some land off the neighbours and we converted that into a par four. But we only made it by about a metre. <laughs> and so you, you and so that left so us you, another short hole mm-hmm. left over. So you basically play nine holes out yeah. there and you've got one spare hole. Yeah, there's one spare hole, which yeah. at the moment, because I did try to retire last year, I turned 65 in COVID, but the, it just didn't happen. The, we just couldn't get the right price for the property and everything else was selling for high prices, but we weren't so... In the end, we said, right, that's it. I'm going to stay for two more years, minimum two more years. So we've told all the land agents, like, leave us alone, just go away. We're just going to hang in there. Each hole is a par three. Uh, yes, and one hole par four. Okay, so then yeah. what's the difference in yardage or meters between you, a par three and a par four? Well, our longest par three is 172 meters. We've got t- uh, two of those, and then the par three was 233 meters. The par four. Oh, sorry, big pardon, par four, yeah, Brendan. I, yes. I think that's right. I think you'd have to be over 200 meters yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, of course, if it was in the United States, <laughs> any, yeah. anything under 300 metres can be right. par three right. these days, can't it? Yeah. Right. But I, I right. think here, yes, you do come across par fours on some country courses around New Zealand, which might only be 220 metres or something. Yeah. And uh, I love them. I do too, yeah. actually, at my and age. The, drive this Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. the good yeah. thing with the par threes, because we had to stretch out, I had to put the ladies off the men's tees in the end to get the length. 
because uh, there was a minimum length course for the woman oh, and a minimum okay. length course for okay. men. Yeah. Yeah. So um, anyway, the ladies, they play these 170-metre par threes, which you hardly ever have a woman playing that length. Yes, exactly. So they're yeah, like yeah. mini par fours the for the exactly. ladies. And the club is Maxwell's. Yes. And, and where's it located? It's um, it's on the oh, just off Great South Road, Bombay. So it's very close to St. Stephen's College. Did you ever know where yeah. St. Yeah, Stephen's yeah, College yeah. on the motorway? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're only about two minutes from there. Oh, okay. We're about four minutes from Braku. The um, mm. the uh, olive and wedding venue oh, yes, up at yes, Braku. Yeah. What, what are your yeah. green fees? Uh, we're twenty five dollars um, if you're not affiliated, or twenty if you're affiliated for nine holes, and then it's just ten dollars extra for eighteen holes. Like but we haven't got extra tees or anything. You just play exactly the same course twice. Mm. But we do spend a lot of money on our greens. We do all the coring and all right. the things like that. And so, yeah. so it has been financially successful for you, this venture? Um, we were going, like, amazing, and, and then the crash came in, was yeah. it 2009? Oh, yeah, Something yeah. like yeah, that. Yeah, the global and, recession. Yeah, yes. and we fell to the ground, and we just had to de-staff, get rid of gardeners, cleaners. I had an extra pro working for us. I had to get just, just mm. downsize. Right to, right to grassroots. And then, unfortunately, it was that time. Actually, I haven't talked about this, but in about 2004, I met another man in my life, and he came in on the, with the golf course with me, and he was a builder-developer, and he, I had half of my house as the clubhouse, and he didn't like that. So he said, come on, I'll help you, and we'll build, we'll build my little golf course in the paddocks, which I was quite happy with. But anyway, we ended up making a real golf course. And then the next year, we built a clubhouse. So we've got a separate clubhouse from the house, and it's a it's ended up being a function centre, a conference centre, and and with, sorts. Yeah, with membership. Uh, yep, yep, we do membership. It's, so it's um, four ninety five for a year, fully affiliated. So uh, is it principally a golf? Venture for women is it? Is it? Um, well, it it does seem to be. You know, we we are. I don't know. My teaching out? would be seventy yeah. percent. Yes, I have. My heart is for the woman. Yeah, yeah. Because I want to encourage them, and I want to mm. uh, make sure that they start start off good and get mm. good basics and meet nice people mm. and learn the rules easy. Like uh, when I was a young girl, we had this lady at Malmara Golf Club, and she meant well, but she was so grumpy, and she really forced those rules down your throat, sort of thing. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you were terrified of it. Yeah. Yeah. Something yeah. wrong, and, yeah. and it sort of just always stayed with me, and that's why I wanted to do it. Yeah, that, uh, well, that leads yeah. to a question of regressing a bit. But you, you, where you played as a young girl, mm. and who inspired you? And oh, I've what's got this the... auntie. I've had this amazing auntie, and they didn't. Uh, so she was seventeen years younger than my uncle, who was my dad's brother. But um, and they didn't have any children, and mum and dad had four kids. So my sister and I would be farmed out to them in the school holidays. And my auntie didn't play golf when she met my uncle, and she ended up learning to play golf and becoming the Malmaroo Club champion. And um, and she was so much fun. She was just an absolute hard case. She was an identical twin sister, and they played tricks on everybody, her and her twin sister. And um, so I, that's how I learned to play golf, with fun. And hitting, Auntie had about 200 balls in the sheep paddocks, and we'd hit them yeah. one way, then the other the way. And, that, mm. and then by the time I got to 15, I had to, 15 years old, I had to play my auntie in the club champ finals because I'd, I'd ended up getting good. And, and we'd played 36 holes and we were all square. And so then we had to keep playing. So we did. We played another nine holes before wow. I got a birdie on the, on one day. On the ninth hole. And what, yeah, 45, 45 holes. holes. 
It might test you, Tom, wouldn't it? Forty-five holes in a day. I used to when I, you know, when I was twenty-one, I could do thirty-six. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. But not forty-five. I don't think. Oh, well, good on you. Yeah, yeah. that's a good story. Really How old were you then? I was fifteen. Fifteen. Yeah. You didn't need. You didn't need a golf cart. No, no, but my little caddy started off at about five foot six and came in at four foot three, I think. Because <laughs> <laughs> in those days we had quite heavy bags mm. and all that. Mm. So uh, tell me about what you're seeing in terms of women uh, coming into golf. I mean, it was predicted with the success of Lydia Ko, particularly when she first turned pro and started winning tournaments and winning major championships as well, that this was going to be um, a great incentive for a lot of young women, young girls to get into golf. Um, I might have misread things, but my observations from playing many golf courses around New Zealand and members of various clubs that I've been, I haven't seen that. I haven't seen any great rush of young women or young men or um, women generally taking up the game of golf. What have you seen? Um, I, no, there's quite, a, there's quite a neat kids club um, happening through through Auckland. Jacob has been a breath of fresh air for us um, running Auckland Golf and junior academies and different things. Mm. And then he'll bring all the kids out, the boys and the girls, out to my place and they'll bring the fitness coach, the um, the swing coach and all these different things. So you, you so have seen have, a rise in the numbers of young yes, kids yes, playing so golf. Yes, I think so. I wouldn't say massive, yeah. but um, but I think Lydia is amazing. I just I just can never see enough of her. Mm, definitely, uh, yeah. yeah. I just love and what so she's done. What about young uh, Asian girls playing yes, golf? We've got about there's about three in the junior academy at Maxwell's at the moment. So another coach, Kevin Kretschmer, he runs his junior academy from my from my um, venue. Because he he couldn't pl- he he lives in um, Pakaranga, he couldn't get into Pakaranga Golf Club, he couldn't get into Whitford Golf Club, Howard Golf Club, so he had nowhere to teach. He had this absolute passion to teach, and he's done the Titleist um, uh, Junior Academy course to be a coach. So he ended up coming out to my place, and I think it might be five years now. He's been operating from out there. Oh, it's good. It's good. Yeah, and he's and he's love it. I just it's my one of my favourite mornings of Saturday morning, and all the little kids arriving with their bags yeah. over their shoulders. And well, I I can remember Frank Nobolo talking about his days at um, Chamberlain Park when he was a kid with Julian. Oh, Bannon. Julian Bannon, yes, and, she was amazing. And how they never even used to hit golf balls for the first uh, couple of years. They had all of these other kind of toys yes. that they could swing bats and sticks and yeah. balloons and all sorts of things they could play with just to get them a kind of. I suppose to understand, you know, naturally how you swing a club without mm. actually putting a golf club. I in must say, Kevin's got a lot of lot of these toy type things yeah. too um, that he does. But, but, so, they, but they end up going out and playing. They yeah. hit balls because we've got this lovely big indoor driving range. So there's four lanes that they can hit into into this big net. And we've now just put a golf simulator in. Another um, a friend of mine, he's really into that. So. We've found a space in the driving room, put the mats forward a yeah, few metres, yeah. and then there's a space for him to have the golf simulator going. So we're just new at offering that out to the people. It's quite a complex you've got out there by mm-hmm. the Yeah, and it's cool because the, the um, indoor coaching thing is part of the clubhouse. So oh, you, okay. do, you just walk from the bar, from the restaurant, and round the corner and into the into the driving range. You don't even have to go out into the cold or anything. Oh, okay, okay. Are yeah. you typically the busiest on the weekends on a Saturday? Yes, we are, and we do we do a lot of private functions for people. We do a lot of birthdays and um, 
Oh, engagement parties, but my, but a lot of a lot of oldies birthday parties, which is is really cool. But, I love that. But from what you were telling me earlier on, that it sounds like you want to get out of this now. Well, I just thought. Well, I started Nine Hole Golf Tours, and I started that about maybe five years ago. Oh, okay. And I, that was my plan that I would semi retire. This has sprung out of the yes, academy. Yes, because yeah. I was taking tours for um, another another tour company, and um, when I suggested when we were in, we've been to Noosa three years in a row, and I said. Suggested, look, I think 18 holes of golf is too much for the ladies because mm. we do an hour coaching first yeah, and yeah. then we'd be on a bus for 20 minutes, half an hour to go to a course and then we would do 18 holes of golf and a lot of these ladies were quite new to golf. Mm. So, and But I suggested these things to him but he didn't like what I suggested. So, And I was at the airport coming home and the girls said to me, um, they said, Kay, why don't you start your own tours? And I thought, oh, no. I said, I just, I don't think people would come with me and I don't. I don't know that. And I said, oh, I've got it. I'm going to start nine whole golf tours. And that was honestly, talk about the light bulb moment. And from then on, Mm. I could see it. I could do it. We've done it. It's really successful. And when was that? How many? About five years ago now. Okay. So we go, we've been up and down to Queenstown. Gosh, we've been to Nelson with Mochaweka. Offshore? Uh, yes, I haven't. Well, I was just ready to do my first offshore one, and then COVID came. Ah, of course. Yeah. yeah. And so what, what effect has that had on it? I imagine it, it closed that side of your business down. Yes, oh, yeah, but I just go everywhere in New Zealand. Oh, okay. We, yeah. I've already been to Mangawai, Walkworth this, this year with a um, tour. I've just come back last week from Rotorua. The next one is to the Bay of Islands in August, and they're all full. Like I mean, I'm, only, I'm taking as many as I can take with yeah. with running Maxwell. And how many? How many? Is uh, it? So the small ones. If we take the minivan, there's 10, 10, 10 or eleven of us. Yeah. And then if we get if we get the sixteen to twenty, then we hire the coach and all that sort of thing. And what's the format that rolls out when they get to a golf course? How so many, we, how many we, rounds do they have? Um, in a, in, if we leave on a Sunday and come back on a Saturday, they have four games. Oh, oh, okay. Four games of nine holes. Yeah, like the the last one that I just did, we went on a Monday back on a Friday, and we had four games. We played every day, apart from the travel day coming. And do home. they do the golfers walk? Uh, yes, yes. Okay. Yep. There's no there's no carts for them. No, no. The, the odd one if they've got a hip injury yes, or something, sure. we'll right, take we'll take right. a cart. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But you're setting it up in a way in which they would pay a flat. Fee, yeah. and it would include includes everything. all inclusive yeah. accommodation, coaching, yeah. yep. Uh, the van. Good I idea. drive the van. <laughs> Very good. To continue doing this, I love it. I love yeah. it. And do you get a chance to play? I sometimes I do. If we're really well organised and the girls aren't too beginnerish, I I play with the leading group, play two three holes, and then I drop back. Then I drop back. So with doing that, I can get some so many holes each group. I'm always intrigued with uh, coaching pros about their own ability as golfers. I mean, most pros know the technical side of a golf swing inside and out and backwards and forwards. Um, but I sometimes wonder how good they are themselves. <laughs> um, they're very good at telling us how yeah. we should swing and how we should hit the ball. Um, and obviously they have had some skill somewhere along the line in, in this game. Are you conscious of the fact that you should keep your swing going and keep your sort of Skills up because yeah, when, when I'm coaching, I'm always well. I'm always stretching every time I do an academy class yeah. or a group lesson. I always put them through some stretches, so I'm keeping flexible just yeah. by doing that with mm, them. Mm. And then I'm always hitting demo shots. And then maybe twice a week, I get out to play our little course. Yeah, what on uh, your own? 
Uh, no, no, my son's there. Oh, okay. He's a, he's a low handicap player. Yeah. And um, and this other guy Butch who lives with us yeah. on site, they came to stay well, with us. I think it's probably important that you do that, isn't it? Oh it yeah, so it's really you, really good for no yeah. other reason than the fact that it just gives you your added confidence that you you know you're explaining something to a yes, woman yeah. or a guy. And you've got to feel it if something yeah. happens in my swing, yeah. and I think, oh my god, I must tell the team that. Tell yeah, the girls yeah. that. Mm. Yeah. When you are coaching the women, are, are women different to coach than men? Yeah, in what are. way? They just come apart in different places. <laughs> <laughs> They're way more twisty from the waist. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And where would good. you where would you start then in terms of swing? Analysis or um, technique. Well, first, I, if, I, if they're brand new to me, I let them just have a few swings. I said, just let me see what you would do, just you know, and I just get the hang of that. And then I pretty much go back into getting their grip, getting their set up, and then explaining to them the core, how the club head and the core must relate to each other. Mm. So we don't want the club just swinging away yeah, and the core's exactly. left behind. Yeah. And so we just work on that. And then when I start the swing small, getting the core to match from the middle to the back swing to the through swing, just say in like below your waist one. And then we start. And I'm, I'm really into getting the strike on the ball. I don't want a big fluffy swing and no bloody strike. That, that's my goal is to get those women to actually hit the ball. Mm. Well, while we've got you talking technically, I suppose I should uh, jump in here and see if I can get some advice from you as well. <laughs> uh, I'm going through this not crisis, I suppose, but uh, for the last couple of years, I've really admired the way Hideki Matsuyama, the Japanese yes. guy who won the Masters this year, uh, has this very deliberate pause at the top of his backswing, and um, I guess I kind of like it to you know a computer that freezes and it stops uh, and it has to reset itself and I sometimes think this is what he's doing he's just resetting his swing with a pause uh, but now uh, I see in recent times they're saying he's being coached out of that pause um, and so I'm confused now what to do with my swing when I go back whether I do, do, do you preach the there, idea there of there is this transition yeah, and transition, transition it will look like a pause you want to leave the club behind get the hips going first yes yeah. and then the club follows you. Yeah. Yeah, because oh, okay. one of the one of the most common things that coaches coach is the people come down too early. Right. Yeah. yeah. yeah and they exactly. end up coming across the strike. The big I think that's yeah. where the idea of the hack came from, you know. <laughs> you know the come, club coming down too early and you're the yeah. Ground. Yeah. 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 And my nickname when I grew up was Chopper. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want you to play <laughs> my golf course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you never, <clears throat> never known as hooker hide. No, <laughs> no, no, but I had a hook the other day. It was impressive actually. <laughs> yeah. Very well, impressive. That, isn't it? That if uh, a good golfer um, draws the ball and a bad golfer or a golfer with a bad swing uh, slices the ball. Mm. But, uh, the draw has always eluded me. Are you, are you able to draw the ball? Uh, yes, okay? but they say what a good thing to do. So if you're if you're hooking the ball and you say to the person, okay, what would you do to slice the ball? You just think the ball, the, the club's going, the ball's sorry, going that way. Mm. How could you block to try and get the ball to go the other way. So you just mm. play with them to mm. get the ball flight to change. Mm. And then before you know it, if they've got reasonable skill in their golf, they've actually found it themselves. Okay, yeah. Yeah, just because yeah. with the hands over-rotating, over they're mm. going to get their hook. And then just to, if they can get their – just come back into strike, start like that, strike like that. So when you watch uh, a, a young woman, a woman man uh, hit a shot, then you're also keeping one eye on the grip. Yes, because yeah. Because I've found that, you know – Grip is all critical. If you know you're too strong or too light, you're yeah. going to fade or you're going to hook or draw. Yeah. Or, so, so through, I had four good coaches through my career, and the last one was 
was um, Neil McRae out at, and he was based out at Aviation Golf Club, yeah, and I learned so that. much from him. I had, you know, I had John Crosker and I had Alistair Palmer and um, uh, Alex Mercer from Sydney. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, but but I probably whether I was just ready to learn more, but Neil McRae was really amazing to me, and he was taught by Dennis Pugh in England, mm. so which is. Um, yeah, so I, te- I teach a lot of what I've been taught. Do you have a website for yes. the golf? Yeah. Yes, we called Eat, Play, Stay. So again? Eat, Play, Stay. Oh, eat, Play, Stay. Eat, Play, we're, Stay. We're in a cafe, we're in a bar, yeah. we're a, we're a, we've got B&B accommodation, and we've got the play, we do the golf, and we do the foot golf. That's eatplaystay.co.nz? Just .nz. .nz. Mm. Right, very good. But right. One of the things I forgot to tell you was in 2010, after the, the financial crash, was that my second husband left. And um, so we, he split up, and we ended up three years with lawyers, and I ended up in the high court for a week and fighting to keep keep the property. And, um, yeah... Mm. That was a bit of a struggle. Well, you prevailed by the sound of it. We, we hung in there, and I must say, husband number one was very good and supported <laughs> us because our son is with yeah, us on yeah, the property. Yeah. And he, he looks after all the maintenance, the greens, everything like that. So it was, yeah, I was pretty okay, lucky. Okay, it's been very interesting and yeah. fascinating. It's been mm. an extraordinary journey that you've been on, golfing <laughs> journey um, in, in New Zealand, and I'm so pleased that uh, you have enjoy the success because you are a very nice and very kind and compassionate person and so it's nice to see that you have been rewarded and um, we wish you all the best with your nine hole tours you, mm. you better, uh, just as well my wife goes under her um, own name not my <laughs> name because um, I think she might be uh, of a mind to undertake something like that now I think she might I'll just, find her I've just bought her a new set of golf clubs for her birthday um, and, and she's been bitten by the bug oh and that's cool once you get bitten because nobody the bug, like nobody takes these little nine holers. There's nothing for them to go away on mm. tour. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, and that's yeah. that's why it's been so popular. Yeah, mm. yeah. Um, so it's been very interesting, oh. and we wish you well. Yeah, good luck with that. It's great. Lovely good story. And so that's our podcast for this week on the tea. We'll be back again in a couple of weeks with another new guest and another tale about golf in New Zealand. Remember, we come to you courtesy of JK's World of Golf out there at Auckland International Airport and the Akarana Golf Club, akaranagolf.co.nz. Check them out if you want some really good online green fee deals. On behalf of Tom Hyde, this is Brendan Telfer wishing you all the best with your own golfing game. You've been listening to On The Tee, Golf New Zealand podcast, hosted by Tom Hyde and Brendan Telfer, proudly presented by Podcasts New Zealand and Gorilla Voice Media. You can find us online at podcasts.nz.com.